This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard for up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football Emergency Edition. I don't know. It's kind of a cliche, but it's a little bit of an extra treat for you guys. Um, we've had our first coaching change of the season in Texas. Jake Spavadol is out at Texas State following their loss to Louisiana, and me and Mike Craven are going to talk about it. Um, we've been kind of glued to our phones most of the day, <laughs> um, just trying to see what's out there. One, we were trying to see when it was happening. Literally, it came like an hour or two hours after we stopped recording uh, the regular ROF. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about it. First reported by Football Scoop Zach Barnett, um, confirmed by us as well, and yeah, man, Mike, let's just get into it. Um, you know, we we the way if, if you guys haven't listened to it, you know, we had a couple of these episodes last year with tech and and uh TCU, things like that. But you know, we kind of talk about what went or why now specifically the timing, what went wrong, and then we'll get into some candidates that we're hearing. You know, we'll use Again, shout out to Blitz on Duo for the appropriate terminology. Uh, I think I feel I know <laughs> to kind of absolve us from <laughs> falsely reporting anything uh, or people falsely accusing us of reporting something. So we'll get into all that. So Craven, let's talk the now. Why now? Um, Texas State finishes four and eight, two and six in the Sun Belt. You know, on paper, you look at it and you see improvement right with with an asterisk right a little a little quote unquote quotation marks let's say you see improvement from jake spavadol's first year to now why now was the why was now the time that texas state felt they needed to move on yeah i think it's one of those things that plays out across the country they don't let coaches get to the last year you you cannot recruit and attract talent to a program that doesn't know if the head coach is going to be around for a few years now that's always kind of a blanket of misinformation just because a coach is signed to be there for a few years. Doesn't mean he's not going to leave on his own and, or that school isn't going to fire him after a bad year. But when you're, when you don't have any years left on your contract, that says something to you. So I, I think your choice becomes, do we want to extend you or do we want to terminate you? And when you're not making bowl games, when you didn't improve your win total from the year before, when it's your side of the ball mm-hmm. that is struggling, uh, I think it was one of those things. Where, and when a new president is there that maybe wants to to put his own stamp on the program and, and figure out uh, kind of where to go there. If you look at the Sun Belt, it's kind of the most fun, most attractive and sexiest G5 conference in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to be even more true when the American three move on to the Big 12 and then American becomes Conference USA Plus and you know, the Sun Belt's positioned well in te- Texas State is the only in Texas school there. I believe they feel like they're underachieving. And with a with a new renewed sense of of want to, I think they'd like to start that just from scratch and have somebody else in there to take this program in a different direction because there's no recruiting class to save. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, that that's what you typically 
can look for if you're willing to extend a coach like this, right? You you know you're maybe in for the long haul and you maybe give him that that grace, right? Kind of four years is more or less, unless something catastrophic happens, four years more or less the, you know, it's the length of a recruiting cycle, right? You get your first class in, which is typically your best recruiting uh, class. And then you get to see them out for four years and you see what you, you know, surround them with the talent, the staff, all that stuff. So you typically get like one full recruiting cycle as that. He took, you know, and we can kind of get into to what happened, right? He took a different strategy and it was a strategy that made sense right we've seen we've seen programs like smu do this we've seen programs in the transfer portal era kind of how feel the need to do this maybe but i think what we saw in the end was him kind of leaning too far into that and maybe not giving himself because when he does that he's basically saying we're winning now right and when you don't win now you don't have that recruiting that youth to fall back on because typically if you're a if you're if let's say SMU Sunny Dykes SMU didn't work out exactly the way it, it did right let's say he kept it about six seven wins right more or less for most of his tenure well they're still having a great recruiting class come in right you still get a Preston Stone coming in right but now but and and so but when you add that talent you have that uh, potential to win Texas State wasn't getting that and I think me and you. You know, on the surface, it looked like, oh, man, that's a weird strategy, whatever. Talking to the staff, talking to the strategy, you get it, right? You understand what they were trying to do, right? They saw Zion Childress go leave, and they're like, oh, well, we, we took a kid from high school, and there he goes to Kentucky or, you know, whatever. And, you know, we can't let that happen. I think they let the fear of a Zion Childress kind of get a little bit too far. You have to take some risks, right, in this sport. And I think dictating your whole strategy around we can't go after high school kids gave him less margin for error because typically if you have a young team, you can buy yourself years and say like, Hey, look, these guys are all sophomores. We're losing now, but give me a couple years, blah, blah, blah. Every year it was kind of like he was building new transfers, building new transfers. And it kind of, and like you mentioned, it, it, it culminated in this year when his side of the ball wasn't the side that was working. And the other side was absolutely sensational. I mean, cause on paper, the strategy sounds good. You know, yeah. you don't have this recruiting budget, to bring in 30 guys every weekend for recruiting visits. And you don't have the recruiting budget to send all your coaches on the road every single day. Um, you don't have the resources to bring a guy in like Zion Childress, develop him at a new position and then lose him to Kentucky. Uh, but at the same time, you got to try. Right. You have to mix and match those things up. It's fine to use the transfer portal to your advantage, especially at Texas State. And to get not transfers that are seniors, to get transfers that are freshmen, sophomore, that have years. And right now that locks you in. It's harder to transfer for the second time. So I always understood why SPAV was doing it the way you're doing it. But it it, it you lose any margin of error that way. Like yep. you said, it, you know, expectations, you know, ratchet up every single year. Cause it's like, Hey, these are your guys. Let's go. You know, you don't get as much patience with that. And in this state, you need to be friends with the Texas high school coaching associate association. It's, it's, it's in San Marcos, you know, yeah. like you need to be friends with the, that guy. And it's not that Spav wasn't cool with those, but he wasn't recruiting their players. And so yeah. uh, I think there was, you know, a little bit of trepidation towards Texas state's uh, program because of that. And, you know, you just don't make friends. And, and I would imagine we've talked about this, you know, on the show before, they'll probably go for the exact opposite of that. You know, they're probably going to follow 
the UTSA Texas State blueprint and try to find somebody who has those ties within the state because that's how you develop talent. Sure, you may lose three or four guys, but if you create a winning atmosphere where guys like to play, more often than not, they're going to stick around. UTSA's proven that. They're not losing a bunch of guys to the transfer portal. Texas State can become that in the Sun Belt. They can be a Coastal. They can be an App State. If the money is added, and if they can find a head coach that can buy in and use the talent in the state to its advantage, not only in the recruiting trail, but in the transfer portal. Your your team should be 80-90% Texas guys. And that doesn't mean you have to recruit all of them on the front end. Right. But you need to do a good job of making your team representative of the state because that's going to get you more and more guys down the road. Yep. I think that's one thing that I will credit this staff with doing is because they went with that strategy – Depth wise, Texas State's the probably the best it's been, right? In terms of like, there are no more, oh, this guy probably can't play FBS ball or things like that, which were there were those were there were the guys there his first couple of years, right? There were the guys there from Francione to Withers to guys that, you know, you mentioned it last year a little bit when they lost to UIW, where it was like, oh, there are some guys here that can't should not be playing FBS football, right? This year it was not that. It was not uh, 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 as much of that, right? There was a lot more FBS talent. We saw defensively, it came through, right? Um, one other thing that I did know to to kind of cap off the recruiting aspect, we have a lot of friends in the industry. You obviously have, you know, you came from that industry. There were guys, and I can I can report this now. There were guys that wanted to commit to Texas State that got told no because they did not need. They did not want. That was a we joke about, oh, they avoided high school. That was a, a a very deliberate effort on their half, on their behalf, to not recruit, to not use scholarships on high school kids. They were told no by talented kids that were wanted to go there, right? Because they said, no, we're get, we're using that for a JUCO, or no, we're using that for a, a transfer, things like that. And so, again, that creates hurdles for yourself because the guy that you better bring in better be good and he better be good in the next year or two or he's a wasted scholarship so yeah it just it just goes to show kind of the 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 double-edged sword that that strategy kind of takes so um yeah that's one thing i wanted to hit on we can get into kind of what we're hearing um you know i did know that well actually one last thing on on why now you know, I said on the ROF episode that there was some little infighting going on. Um, you know, there was a little wing of the, there was some behind the scenes things happening. Um, I didn't expect it to happen today because of that. But maybe the, again, that might've been news that might've infighting that might've happened uh, pre Louisiana, things like that. Um, there were some donors on Spavadol's side, right? Let's just say that. And when you're look, if you're Kelly Danfis, if you're Don Coriel, you obviously have to have to gauge that because you're trying to build a new end zone complex, right? You're trying to build those facilities, give Spavadol or whoever the next guy is going to be the new weight room that they're supposed to get. Um, I'll just say this. This isn't confirmed. This is my own research. Go look up, and this is for people listening. Go look up the name of the Little Rock Wrestling Complex the Wakita Baptist soccer wrestling complex and the Harding soccer complex. Go look up the name and you'll know Texas state fans. That's all I'll say. It's uh, it's not a coincidence that though that last name is in those three places and you'll see a familiar one. That's all I will say on that. So Craven, 
let's get into some names that we're hearing. Let's get into some names that we're we we're we're intrigued by. Um, again, let's use our <laughs> let's use our therapy word so we don't accidentally falsely report something. <laughs> um, you put out an article with some candidates out there, and let me put that straight. That when we say DCTF picks and all that in that article, that's us thinking that this would be a good pick and a good fit for Texas State. Um, if I if I was running the search committee, that's yes. who that's who my first call would be to. Yes, and it, we put we picked Casey Keeler. Now I will say there is let's just say interest out there. That is me knowing. Um, but why specifically on our behalf? Do we think Casey Keeler would be a fit for this job? I think one of the truths you have to address when you're talking about this Texas State job is the lack of facilities. Mm -hmm. The best indoor in that in that city is at San Marcos High School. Yep. The only weight room capable of having the whole team work out at the same time is at San Marcos High School. The budget is not there, as we talked about on the recruiting trail, to go and really do high school stuff on a full scale like a UTSA or a North Texas is able to do. Right. Casey Keeler has done more with less than anybody. Like that's that's his calling card. He's mm -hmm. he's won at Delaware right away. He's won at Sam Houston. He has ties within the state. He knows how to recruit with a smaller budget. He knows how to build a culture. He knows how to build a brand. He knows how to make himself marketable. He knows how to make a school marketable. And he is about to move up to the FBS ranks with Sam Houston. I would imagine that he's interested in a job that is 10 years ahead of that rebuilding project, right? Mm -hmm. The stadium's already there. The infrastructure's already there. They already know some of the things that can go bad, some of the things that can go good. And so I would imagine on both sides, uh, it's a job that he would be interested in because of that. And, and I would imagine he's a name that's on that short list uh, because he's done it in this state. Uh, with something that's, you know, even smaller budget than what they have right now. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Danfus, the new president, is also an alum of Sam Houston State. Um, so I don't know if that's a connection. Potentially, maybe. The thing that I would, I also liked about Casey Keeler, because we both agreed that that would be, it checks off a lot. Because what's the one thing you're always kind of concerned about if you're at, you're a G5 head, uh, G5 program hiring a good head coach? Always going to leave in a couple of years, right? Casey Keeler, 63. He's not the age profile of a guy who's going to get plucked away, right, by a Texas, by a, you know, Texas Tech or whatever. He's also probably firmly okay with this being his last job, right? Like, he's somebody who, let me rebuild this. That's my legacy to prove that I can do it at this level, and yep. then I can go into the sunset, right? And, yeah, one, one, he's, I said 63. Man, we we talked to the guy. He seems like he's, like, 43 spiritually. <laughs> like, he's, he, he's, he's hilarious. He has a person, he's a lively personality. So he's not, he's not somebody who's, like, on his last legs trying to get just, like, one more paycheck for his career, right? He's This isn't Larry school. Coker at UTSA. This isn't Dennis Francione at Texas State. We both right. know this exactly is, what those look like. <laughs> right. This is active coaching. Yes. Um, his staffs have been great. I mean, he's built, uh, I know Phil Longo right now at North Carolina. Um, he was at uh, Sam Houston State. I believe he coached the Brett Bomar teams at uh, as the offensive coordinator there. Uh, Tim Cramsey, who's at Memphis now under, um, um, God, who's the guy's name? Silverfield, Ryan Silverfield. He was the OC a couple of years ago under, um, under Casey Keeler as well. So he knows how to build a staff. He knows how to build an offense. So. You know, the Joe Flacco team, the Delaware team, that was a, that was a, a Casey Keeler team. So, again, he has history. He has ties. He has the 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 
kind of overall gravitas kind of of just somebody that we think would be a perfect fit. And if you're and in Texas State, you kind of need stability. So, and there's something to be said about being a head coach. Yes, right. And like Jake Jake Spavadol was learning on the job, and he'll be sure. better for it in the in the long run. But at Texas State, it feels like a place where you have better done it before. You better have put together a staff before, put right. together a roster before, and managed all the things that come with being a head coach. Casey Keeler's done that for decades plus now and won every single where that he's been. I think if you look across college football, you look at it like a Lance Leopold and play and play and people like that, Chris mm-hmm. Kleiman. When you win, you win. Yeah. You know, you hire Jeff Trailer, Joey McGuire. When you hire guys who have been head coaches who have won, that's going to translate. And so, you know, he's just done it before. And, and I think if you're Texas State, having somebody who has that track record, it's got to put them at the top of the list. Yep. Uh, let's get into some other names. Okay. So, you know, we mentioned realistic options, Eric Morris and GJ Kenny. Let's get it out the way. GJ Kenny, more or less probably off the board. Um, <laughs> Tulsa just opened up. He's a beloved alum there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I more or less know he's a candidate there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that he's, he's the candidate, but he's definitely a candidate. Um, Tulsa's a better job, plain and simple. And he's an alum. Like that's, that's about as easy as you can get. So uh, GJ, and he'll have some options because Memphis may open as well. And he'll, he'll be a guy that gets a look there as well. So Definitely. American, American money is a little bit bigger than the Sunbelt money at Texas state right now. Oh yeah. But with that being said, what does GJ Kinney give you over, uh, give you that Merrick Morris does not, right? Let's look at the Washington state offensive coordinator. He's somebody whose name has been brought up in the past. Now I know that in the past he's, I don't know if he's turned it down or turned down an interview or there he's been, his name has been in the past when they were looking for Jake Spavitt or they ended up hiring Jake Spavitt all. I believe his name was very quickly thrown out. Um, Basically he took over UIW when it was not a good job, right? Straight up, just not a good job. Turned it into something that became what GJ Kinney kind of has now taken and taken as a, as a top 15 probably program in the FCS. So he's at Washington state. He's kind of proving he can do it at least play calling wise at a new level. Um, we've seen him recruit, obviously Cam Ward where we've dazzled and raved about him. He's killing it at Washington state as well. You know what his profile to me, it almost feels like a Jake Spavadol if Spavadol had coaching experience before, right? Everything on paper seems like very similar, except the fact that Eric Morris actually coached a program. <laughs> I mean, to me, this kind of feels like a two-man race at, at, at this moment. And, and Casey Keeler's a great option. I think Eric Morris is equally a home run option mm-hmm. uh, for Texas State. I happened to be there uh, when, yep. when Incarnate Word came to Texas State and won last week in, in week two, or last year in, in week two. And you could not tell who the FBS team was and who the FCS team was. Like That, that was a, a well-put-together team that we've seen G.J. Kinney take you know, maybe to the next level this year with even a a better defense and stuff like that. Lindsey Scott's been excellent, but you know, I think Eric Morris is a guy who, you know, you look at his four years at UIW and you see 24 and 18, you may not think that that's the greatest of record, you know, but 2021, they won 10 games. And as you mentioned, that was not a great job when he got there, he had to build it from, from the ground up basically. And that's what you're stepping into at Texas state. And so having, uh, you know, a track record of being able to do that, right down the road. You're going to know a lot of those high school coaches. You're going to know a lot of assistants. He's going to be able to build a staff. 
he has an explosive offense. Washington State's averaging 28 points a game this year in the Pac-12. Texas State's at 21 in the Sun Belt. So you're going to get more points there. Uh, and, and you want you're going you need somebody at Texas State who can probably call plays on one side of the ball the other because of budget stuff. It just saves you a lot of money, and you don't have to worry about losing that guy on a year out, year out, year in, year out basis. Like, hey, our offense did really well, and now that offensive coordinator is at Tulane or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hiring somebody who can also be the play caller frees up, you know, at eighty to a hundred thousand dollars. That can be important. You know, that's why Jake Spavadol was calling plays, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. I think that's another you know notch on Eric Morris's belt as well. Yep. The one thing I will say, Chris Vanitti pointed out a good point. Uh, Cam Ward has two years left, so like he doesn't have to jump on a job, right? He could just stick it out. You know, that's the one thing. Like sometimes when you get when you have an opening, sometimes a job is a job, and you want to, you know, some guys just want a head coaching job, right? There are only a handful of these, handful of opportunities, but then there are some people who maybe Eric Morris who knows he can maybe work his way to angle a little higher. I don't know. Some coaches have that confidence in themselves to be able to make that gamble. It's um, a dangerous game. It's a very dangerous game. As we are seeing with, uh, as we saw with uh, one Seth Luttrell, who probably right. missed his shot to, to go to the big 12 by choosing to gamble with North Texas and not go to Kansas state. I mean, Doug Belk, Doug Belk. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good point too. Yeah. He was, you know, who, like it, it yeah. doesn't take much, you know, True. to lower that stock. Cause there's guys every year that are, they're up in theirs, you know, and that, that stuff so cyclical and you can be hot one day and, and not the next. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I get, I get what Chris is saying. I, you know, yeah. and who knows what the money's there and, and if that's a pay cut or if that's even a better job in his mind or whatever, that's a personal right. deal. But um it is a danger it's it's a game of chicken and you know ward gets injured they go two and ten next year or something like that and eric morris isn't on this list and so uh, there's only 130 of these things and so uh you you know sometimes you got to take it when you can get it uh, even if it's not a ready-made situation in a way that guarantees success exactly all right let's talk into some of the other names let's go with one let's start with the big swing you mentioned um one tom herman former offensive coordinator at texas state and then let's go into some of the wild cards. Emmett Jones, Kenny Perry, two tech guys, Mike Jinks, and Brennan Marion. Um, let's start with the big one, right? Tom Herman. Um, again, big swing is literally the guy that if you could just had, if you had the money, if you had the pull, if he knows he's going to say yes, who would you go for, right? Re- somebody within reach. Tom Herman coached at this program before he got his start here under uh, David Bailiff. And kind of, I mean, various, what? 26 year old coordinator or something like that. He was very young yeah. when they, when they, when they made it to that, uh, made it in the FCS playoffs, obviously he doesn't have a job right now. Um, I know he's in, the- oh, he does. He's uh calling coaching job for right CBS. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coaching job right now. He's one of us right now. He's in the media. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, you know, he's, he doesn't have a coaching job right now. Maybe in the works for another job sometime soon. Typically that's what they do is they take a year off, get some money from the buyout, whatever. Um, but, if on paper, right, obviously he could get for something higher or whatever, fine. But on paper, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you happen to get a conversation with him, right? Make him say no, more or less, is what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd give him a call. Uh, you know, I think he could get a better job, obviously, you know, and maybe one's coming down the pipe. I don't know if that's, a, that's an offensive coordinator. Or, you know, one to keep an eye on is Cincinnati's opening up. Fickle's about to that's go to Wisconsin. Point. He's, you know, Herman's got some Ohio roots as a guy who's from, at Ohio I think State. He's actually technically from uh, Ohio. Is he? I know he, I you know, born made his in own. Ohio. So, okay. Yeah. He's kind of bounced around, you know. I know. He it feels, Cal, he feels Cal Texan. Lutheran. 
Uh, he spent a lot of time here in Texas. You know, he's at Ohio State, so that may be one to watch. But I yeah. think if you're Texas State, you see what the market is. And Herman's sure. one of those guys where you at least go kick a tire. All it takes is a phone call to an agent to see if he'd be interested or not. What do people it's think like of a, your job? Right. And you just fill out that because your pool may be bigger than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's fine. Go see what that is. Go see what the outer limits of that reach is. It, it may be. Uh, something that's humbling it may be something that's exciting but you just don't know until you go try i think he would be a a, a great uh, person to give a call to yep uh let's mention some of the you know i mentioned some of the wild cards brennan marion wide receiver coach of texas kenny perry at texas tech emmett jones at texas tech mike jinx at houston right now you know you t- well one mention emmett jones because we kind of had a little bit of a conversation about this when you were just asking wild card names to throw out for some people who do not are not familiar with an Emmett Jones or even Kenny Perry. Can I throw them together? Both at tech. Um, you know, what are their, what are their molds? Where do they come from? Where's their background? Yeah. I mean, both of them DFW guys who were head coaches and, and in the high school ranks for, you know, over a decade, Kenny Perry, 14 years, Emmett Jones was at the South Oak cliff. He, he definitely could get um, some recruiting ties there. They're kind of different personalities. Emmett Jones, more Very of a quiet cerebral kind of guy. Uh, Kenny Perry, the life of every single room that he's ever walked into ever in his history of his life. And so I I think you see both of those guys and personality aside, I I think when you look at the two most, maybe the two most exciting programs in the state right now, I mean, TCU, I guess is probably number one there, but other, you know, I think Joey McGuire and and Jeff trailer have really kind of caught some fire and shown that there's a path there. And Mm -hmm. if Texas state's looking at UTSA and seeing what they're doing and they want to copy something like that, Kenny Perry would be an excellent choice. He's been a head coach before. He's been around at nearly every level. He's coached at SMU. He's been at Kansas. He's been at Texas Tech. So he's seen some stuff. He's an associate head coach with Joe with uh, Joey McGuire right now. So I know he's in on a lot of those conversations on, you know, what do we do for this practice? What do we do for that practice? You know, he's an assistant head coach, basically. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, he's the first guy Joey hired when he got yeah. the job, right? And true, so true. Uh, I think he would be a great choice. And then Emmett deserves a chance somewhere. You know, Absolutely. he's just a guy who's paid his dues, who was an interim coach at Kansas, who kind of thought he might get that job, you know, just the way that the players in the program wanted, like the players in that program wanted him to be the head coach. Like they had vouched yeah. for him and wanted him to be there. I think that says a lot. He would come to Texas state. He would be grateful for that. job. He wouldn't be a guy looking for the next one right out the bat, right? He's right. going to go there. He's going to try to leave a legacy. He's going to try to build something. I think he'd be an excellent culture builder an excellent program builder and excellent recruiter. Uh, so I think both of those guys, you know, if, if, if a guy who doesn't have head coaching experience at the college level, isn't an option. Sure. Right. Yes. I think those two dudes can give you a profile. And we joke about it on Republican football all the time. I have this theory of you in coaching searches, you go for the opposite of the girl you just dated. Yep. And Jake Spavadol distances himself from the THSCA and from recruiting on the ground level. Guys like Emmett Jones, guys like Kenny Perry would do the exact opposite of that and put you right back on that ground level right away. And I think Mike Jinks is another guy who who mm-hmm. needs to be in conversations for secondary jobs. We're watching Sonny Dykes at TCU go 12-0 and 0 in the Big 12 and maybe go play a national championship. He got ran out of Cal, yeah. right? Just because Mike Jinks didn't have the greatest go of it in Bowling Green doesn't mean he can't coach and doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a, a second shot there. He was excellent at Steel, which is right up the road. He could get into San Marcos. He could get into I-35 and help you recruit. He's another dude who I think uh, deserves a shot when these when these smaller schools in Texas are looking for a new guy. 
I know very much from my days back at the San Marcos record, Mike Jinks, before he took the Bowling Green job, was inquiring about the Texas State job um, when DeFranchoni was was retiring. So it was something, obviously he was, you know, he's from the area, I believe he's a Judson grad, I believe. Yeah. Um, so he's from that area. And so like, yeah, that would be, that would be something, that would be an interesting name to watch out for as well. Um, the last one, Brennan Marion, you know, it speaks for itself, right? If you want on paper, He's a lot of the guy. He's he's a lot of the um, he has a lot of the attributes that you would expect from the modern young coach, right? Yep. He can recruit. He can develop the hell out of wide receivers and players, and he has that. And I know that he's he's a passing game coordinator right now at Texas, and we've seen the successes that that's had. That's that that the flashes that's shown in particular in Hudson Card's development. Uh, we saw flashes of it against Alabama, things like that. He does seem kind of next in line for a job like that. Maybe play call. Maybe he's one step away, right? Maybe a play calling job would be more something up his alley first, but he's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I would say. Yeah, I think he's somebody he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere at some time. Right. And so if you want to think outside the box, you want to go with just young, exciting a guy who can recruit a guy in the transfer portal who would make a splash right away. I mean, they almost pulled Jordan called... Addison just by pulling him in the the room. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, he's, he's a dude that kids want to play for, you know, he was an excellent wide receiver himself at Tulsa, like mm-hmm. one of the more prolific ones in, in college football. And so uh, he's one that can connect with players. He can get them there. Uh, he's called plays before he's been in OC before. That's true. That's uh, true. Anybody that. who loves offensive creativity, go Google, go, go offense. And what that does is kind of a trip type uh scheme with some spread stuff and so uh, he's an innovator of that he is such a good offense that sark's added some of it at texas right and we all revere sark as a, as a schemer and as a play caller um, and he's another one who could go there and call plays and be the head coach slash oc uh, build a staff around him so not a guy i expect to get one of the first calls or anything sure. uh, but somebody who i i think is is on deck and if you want to get weird and get outside of the box i think he's a guy that you could afford that you could get and would add some uh, excitement to that program right away. So to kind of wrap things all up, you know, Texas State, I think, is in a position to, one, I don't, I, I tweeted this out. When they when they hired Dennis Franchoni, they were in a position to where they needed somebody to shepherd the program into the FBS, right? Similar with Larry Coker with UTSA. Just somebody yep. who has experience, can drag this thing from the mud and just build a mound, right? That's what both coaches did. Then after that, they hire, again, similarly at UTSA with Frank Wilson, they hire Everett Withers, somebody who can recruit and build that mound into something, right? I don't know, mold it into something, but recruit, develop, now give us an identity, right? You, Frank Wilson was able to do that, but Everett Withers was not. Um, similar, uh, interestingly, UTSA decided to not go what Texas State, this is where they diverged. Texas State said, we have a lot of talent here, or at least youth potential. We want somebody who can scheme it up, you know, throw the throw the playbook out there, draw some crazy plays, you know, re- develop quarterbacks, make it exciting, things like that. They hired Jake Spavadol. UTSA more or less doubled down on the building, the the identity, the culture, and went Jeff Trailer. We've seen where that's gone. I'm not saying one strategy was better than the other. I think the I am. That's fair. I mean, that's fair, but we've seen them hire the hot, people hire the hotshot coordinator and do good, right? That's what I'm that's saying. That's true. That's true. Um, but I'm I'm always going to lean culture over scheme. Right. 100%. And I think that we're seeing, and because, you know, they mentioned the ex-girlfriend analogy, I think we're going to see that more or less, right? Even though we're mentioning a Kenny and a Morris, 
we know that they can also do the building, right? We know that, especially Eric Morris's case, we know that he can do the building that we're seeing from the UTSA, which again, I know Texas State fans, I hate mentioning UTSA on this podcast right now too, but they're doing it right, man. They've done it right for the past 10 years and we're seeing that happen. I mentioned this to you, Craven, the diverging paths of Texas State and UTSA in recent history happens when Texas State shanks that extra point to win the game against UTSA. That line of demarcation, <laughs> literally both programs go in the opposite directions after that. UTSA wins that game, they go to the moon, Texas State loses that game, and it's questioning every single week what's happening, what's going on every single year. So yeah, you want somebody who can kind of take things now and mold it into something because that was, I think, the part that they skipped. They thought that Withers molded something. They thought that they had some talent there. They thought they had something to develop. And Spavadol kind of came in and actually was like, well, actually, no, there actually needs to be something built here, right? And so I think he was hired to do a job that was not set up for him to do, right? I think when he was brought in, yes, scheme these guys up. He's like, well, I don't have a quarterback. Oh, I don't have an offensive line. You know, like this actually isn't the talent that you thought it was. I don't have a budget. I don't know what the compliance office is. I don't know what this, you know, like there's an art to being a head coach. Yep. And it translates, right? Like you're Jeff Trailer. You don't have to be the OC. You just go hire Will Stein. You know, Will Stein's not expensive. Right. It's not like he went somewhere and got like, you know, a million dollar coordinator or whatever. Will Stein was the OC at Lake Travis, Travis five yeah. years ago. You know, like you get Joe Price from uh, Galena Park North Shore, Shore and you work him way all the way up. You know, like that. that's what you do in this state. You can do it cheaply in this state. There's a thousand really good coaches coaching high school football around here that you can mix and match with some dudes with, with college stuff, you know, that are up young up and comers. Yep. I'm with you. That, that to me, that's why Keeler and Morris feel like they're the names that make the most sense mm-hmm. is there guys who we have seen take a program that was not considered all that great, right? Turn them into programs that we consider perennial contenders. And if you're Texas state, that's the track you want to be on. Why not hit your wagon to somebody who you know for sure has done it before rather than betting on a guy who really smart, really talented, maybe a guy who could do that, but you're not, you're not sure. You're not, you're not in a secure enough position to take that chance. Everything isn't, it's like, you know, like some quarterbacks can only play really well when like everybody around them is uber talented or whatever. Like you, you can't have that right here. Like you need a guy who can come in and, and kind of make the situation a good one. Um, go get a guy who's done that before and has a track record of doing that. Yep, exactly. And again, these are just names we've heard slash think would be fits. These aren't the only names that are out there, right? Uh, there there could be a name off the list that's like, oh, damn, that's a great hire. You know, like just like things that sure. we're not, right? This is, if a search firm gets involved, which is reportedly the, probably the case, I mean, you know, I don't think that they're they're going to have some names that we don't have, right? And there could be a name that shocks us that we didn't know text they had the budget for. We don't know, right? But right now, these are the guys that at least within arm's reach, within reason, that we think would be a fit for this job. So if none of these guys on the list man to be in the head coach, don't think Texas State struck out. <laughs> um, don't think that there's something like that because we didn't, I mean, I don't know, do we have Joey McGuire at Tech? I know we had yeah. Joey McGuire. Okay, I was about to say, I know we had Joey McGuire for some other jobs, but I don't know if we pinned him to Tech pretty quickly. But regardless, yeah. I don't know if Tech fans had Joey McGuire <laughs> right on right on there, right at the top of their list. So 
you know, it doesn't always have to be the first guy you think of. So who knows? Search firms do their job and for the most part do them well. They get a bad rap, but I do think more or less search firms. I don't know. We've seen some bad ADs make some bad hires just because they know a guy. Um, so Yeah, that's the thing is search firms get to compete against maybe the worst hiring people in the history of the world. And that's athletic, <laughs> athletic directors. Yeah, that's very true. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, when compared to that, uh, you're going to have, you're gonna have okay a good job. Yeah, because ADs are bad. ADs <laughs> oh, are bad at that part of the day because they get too close to the trees. Too close to the trees, man. Well, that was the thing with, I mean, to kind of cap things off, that was the thing with Don Coriel, right? We were kind of wondering. He was part of the staff that hired Jake Spavadol. And so even though the AD changed, you know, when Kelly Dampus came in, then it was like, okay, it's probably going to be a change now because there's, you know, top to bottom change. So, yeah, I don't know. It's the first big hire of uh, Don Coriel's tenure as athletic director. So uh, that'll be something to watch. And then I do want to say, I think this is going to be the only one. I think so at, too. At the right? FBS ranks. I think Mike Bloomgren and that staff is safe from the people I've talked to. Nobody's been contacted. Nobody's been, and usually the agents and stuff have been by now. There'd mm-hmm. be some kind of smoke there from the assistant coaches. Nobody out Dimmel, looking for a job Dimmel yet. Another year. Yeah. Dimmel got extended after the bowl game last year. He He's going to be fine for at least more one more year as they move into kind of a more neutral conference USA that they can compete better in. Um, and so unless, you know, and then Sam Houston's moving up and, and unless Casey Keeler uh, gets another job, I expect him uh, to Kenny, be there as I well. Guess, uh, Kenny, um, you know, yeah. So I'm at the FBS level. Right. Um, oh, yeah, true, right. I, I think this is going to be, you know, the only one that comes up from Texas unless somebody at one of the Texas jobs gets hired somewhere else. Yeah, I think um, somebody tweeted out, I couldn't remember, somebody tweeted out a photo of Bloomgren and the Rice AD after the game. They're both smiling, you know, at yeah. the end of the, it was, I would it be wasn't shocked. A, it wasn't a Herman Edwards situation where he's like walking to his doom, right? As right. He, as he's what is the, what's the, the what did you say the split zone duo stuff was? I think I, I know I feel. <laughs> okay, I, I feel strong. I'm like, whatever between feel and no. Yeah, yeah. You know, between like Rice is good and I know UTEP's good. Like I, was about I, to say, yeah, I can say I know UTEP's good. I know North Texas is good. Yep. Uh, um, and so I, I think we're gonna have kind of uh well knock on wood, I think we're gonna have kind of a quiet a quiet year in the state outside of I was about to say, barring something very surprising, right? Yeah. I think this is probably gonna be the one. So yeah. With that being said, yeah, um, if you guys like this episode, be sure to listen to us this Wednesday when we do our final uh, kind of full, or we have a bowl preview as well, but final regular season-ish preview uh, for the upcoming conference championship weekends. And uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe and all that stuff. If you're a new listener jumping on for this one episode, be sure to stick around, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Catch us on streaming live, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that jazz. So thanks for listening. And I'm not going to do our typical outro just because it's a random episode. So (laughs) we'll see you later.